Um, tonight's reading is Matthew 20, starting at verse 17, um, and can be found on page 988 of the New Bibles. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will rise to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, it's a simple question that Jesus asks, isn't it? What is it you want? A waiter could ask that at the restaurant when you've been looking at the menu for a while and have taken your time. What is it you want to eat? But it's also a a really revealing question to ask yourself, I think. What is it you want in life? What is it you want in your work? What is it you want in your family? What is it you want in your church? What is it you want in your retirement? Those sort of big picture questions of life, good thing to ask yourself, but not just big picture, in every situation and every relationship you have with someone, I think it's worth asking you the question, asking yourself the question, I've been thinking about this this week, what is it that you want? I think it's a sort of question that's simple, but it reveals who you really are, what you really want, what your heart is really like. I wonder if what you really want is to be great. And I wonder if you think that would be okay. You see, Jesus is changing us, and so he changes our answer to that question, what we really want. And in Jesus' upside-down kingdom, Jesus wants us to want to be great. It's just a different sort of greatness. Well, Jesus' disciples don't get it, do they? Uh, Jesus is going up to Jerusalem and he's already told them twice that he's going to die and so he tells them again. Pick it up, verse 16. So the last will be first and the first will be last. He was going up to Jerusalem and on the way he took the twelve aside and said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered 
over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. He's told them twice before, but they don't get it, so he tells them again. And with more detail, it's more specific, it's more graphic, and it shows how he's going to be rejected by everyone, the Jews and the Gentiles. The first will most certainly be last. How do you reckon the disciples should respond to that? How do you respond when the one you look up to, the one you love, tells you they're going somewhere to die? Grief? Disbelief? That's not what we want? Well, let's see how James and John respond. Verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and, kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What is it you want? he asked. Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. This is a beautiful scene, don't you reckon? A family united together, united in devotion to Jesus. I'm serious, they kneel down to Jesus, and they recognize him as king, they say, when you come in your kingdom, and he says, are you prepared to suffer? They say, yes. This is a family united in devotion. And don't you just love to see mothers and their sons doing things together? Religious devotion can look beautiful and seem impressive, but can be very superficial and self seeking because they've come to ask a favour of Jesus and Jesus reveals who they are by asking what is it you want verse 21 grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other and the other at your left in your kingdom I've got to say the mother here she's very fair isn't she she doesn't play favourites Just her own sons are the favourites compared to everyone else. But she doesn't mind which one sits on the right and which one on the left. That's good, isn't it? It's worth remembering here that James and John, I think, have got at least be 25 at this point. They're probably married. In fact, I'm certain that they're married. And their mother is speaking up for them. Mothers, please don't do it. And sons, don't do it either. I say sons because the sons are there and they want this to happen. Jesus talks to both of them. What do they ask for? Right and left in your kingdom. This is not out of nowhere. For back in chapter 19, when the disciples are worried that they're going to miss out on getting what they deserve from Jesus, Jesus reassures them, do you remember? And he says, don't worry, you 12 will sit on 12 thrones in my kingdom. They're going to get a throne. And you might just think that would be enough. One of the 12 thrones in Jesus' kingdom, but it's not. What is it you want? We want to be great. In fact, we want to be greater than the rest of them. They don't just want to rule over the nations, they want to rule over the others. And James and John really are not overshooting themselves at this point. They're part of the inner three, remember? James, John, and Peter. And they figured 
Jesus has only got two sides, a right and a left, and three of them means they've got to get in early and get the jump on Peter so that James and John can be beside. Do you see, they're offered a lot already, but those who are offered a lot always want more. And don't be too hard on James and John. Have a look at verse 24. What do the others think? When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers because they wanted the top spots too. Jesus says the first will be last. I'm going to Jerusalem to die. Jesus' disciples want to be great by ruling one another. It is extraordinary. They don't care about Jesus. They are not listening to him. They're not satisfied with what he's offering them. It's extraordinary. But it's also very ordinary, isn't it? Do you think they're the first people to want to be great? To want to be recognized, to have great power, to get ahead of others? No, this is very ordinary. All sorts of people want this in their career. All sorts of people want this as they gather their riches together. It's called ambition. Of course, none of us are like that. We're not one of those money-hungry fools and we're not one of those power-hungry fools, are we? We're greater than that. The truth is actually we all want to be great. I reckon, just in different contexts. Some people want to be great on the world stage. Some people want to be great in the local school's PNC or whatever community group you might be in or even a church that you're in. I think we all want to be great. And not just in a group, in the status in the group, but in our relationships. Let me just bear my heart to you for a moment. The first time I ever met each of you, I can't remember each moment, but this is what happens every time I meet someone. Before I even speak to someone, I form a first impression. I look at someone and go, are they taller than me or shorter than me? Are they older than me or younger than me? Are they more attractive than me or less attractive to me? Are their muscles bigger than mine or smaller than mine? I'm sizing them up and I'm really hoping that I can pick the category which I am greater in than them and then I'll focus on that category. That's before we've even spoken to each other. Then we speak to each other and I'm now working out who's the greater, who's got the better education, who uses their wit better in the conversation, who's got the most knowledge about topics, and so I'll steer to the topic where I have the most information to share. I'm constantly looking for who is the greater. I wanted to share this with you because I'm sure I'm the only one in the room and it's good to find out something new about someone else, isn't it? No, seriously, you are like that, aren't you? Constantly evaluating and determining whether you are greater than someone else because we all want to be great. The only difference with James and John is they happened to be disciples of Jesus and already knew they had 12 thrones and they wanted the two best ones. Well, how does Jesus respond to our desire to be great? Verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. He says, you know about the rulers in the world, and what do you know about them? You know that the way that they lead, they lord it over those they rule. That's a really evocative phrase, don't you reckon? Our eyes will just go straight to that. We immediately think of the sort of rulers in our world who look down on their subjects, who arrogantly think they're better than their subjects, who don't lift a finger to help them, who squash them and use them and exploit them. The way they lead is simply ugly. And we are so glad to hear Jesus say, not so with you. Christian leadership must be different. And that's what I've always thought Jesus was talking about in this passage. Worldly leaders lord it over others, not so with you. But as I looked at this passage this week, it seemed to me that that's not what James and John want to do. I don't think you get any idea here that as they come with their mother, that what they're really wanting to do is to be able to squash the other disciples and look down their nose at them and exploit them. I think they just want the best spots. They want to be in authority so they have the power and they can see themselves as great. It just doesn't seem to fit with the context. And you look at verse 25 and it says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Clearly it's a parallel, it's a repeating of the same idea. So why is it lord it over the first time and exercise authority the second time? Well, when you actually look at the word, the original word in the Greek, and what does it mean? The second one clearly says exercise authority. And the first one is exercise lordship. It just means do it. The rulers of the Gentiles rule. They exercise lordship. And their high officials exercise authority. Jesus is just saying the same thing Twice. You know that in the world there are people in positions of authority and what do they do? They exercise their authority. It's a neutral statement. This is not a bad thing for them to do, but it's not the way they lead. It's that that is the way people think you become great. The issue is not leadership and how to lead, but how to be great. You can see that because he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Do you see here? Jesus is not against wanting to become great. In fact, I reckon he's telling his disciples, good on you. You want to become great. Like Graham mentions at the beginning, this is a really good thing for us to notice because Australian Christians don't want to become great. If I gave you a survey to fill out, do you want to become great? I reckon 99% of you would say no because you've learnt all your Christian lives that it's not good to be ambitious. You've got to aim low. You've got to accept yourself 
And whatever you do, don't be a tryhard in the Christian life. We're into mediocrity. We're Bart Simpsons, underachievers, I reckon. And it really struck me this week that Jesus wants me to become great. Do you see that? In your Christian life, Jesus wants you to aim high. And I think most of us are just satisfied edging along. Jesus wants us to become great. It's just a different sort of greatness. What's the greatness? Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. He says it twice because it is such a crazy idea. It is so upside down. Do you want to become great at school? Well, it's not about working hard and getting the best marks and beating the person who's on about the same level as you and beat you last year, is it? That's not greatness. That's completely irrelevant. It's whether you hang out with the most awkward people and welcome the new person and are prepared to help someone else with their study. It's whether you love people. Do you want to become great at church? It's not about whether you're up front, is it? Or whether you have a position at church or whether you're the best connected person in the congregation. They're irrelevant. It's whether you welcome people. It's whether you spend time with the people whom you find the most annoying. It's whether you see a dirty toilet and clean it. It's being a servant. And servant, of course, being a servant is not just doing jobs, is it? It's in every relationship. That's why this whole comparing yourself to other people and making sure you seem great is so unhelpful. We're valuing the wrong things for a start and then it's jolly hard, don't you think, to serve someone that you've now worked out in your head is lesser than you. Why would I serve you, you think? when I'm better than you. Do you see how unhelpful that is? Or on the other hand, if you can't manage to see yourself as better than the other person because in every category you can think of, they're greater, you then think you have nothing to contribute. So how can I serve? Give up the whole greatness compared to others thing and realize instead, replace it with greatness is serving. And if I can just learn to serve more in the way I treat people, then I will become great. And I think that's why Jesus' question that I highlighted at the beginning is such a good one. What is it you want? Think about your relationships at home where you live. Often so much what we want is some time to ourselves, or other people will do stuff that we want to do, that we won't get annoyed and we won't have to do as much housework. What is it you want? An enjoyable, quiet life. What if you replace that with, I want to be a servant? How different would that be? Or your relationship with your friend that you're finding difficult at the moment. What is it you want? A friend who's fun to be with. Replace that with, what is it you want? I want to be a servant to my friend. It would be the same with your spouse. 
What is it you want? I want to be great. So I want to serve. Well, why is it? How can Jesus say that greatness is being a servant? How can it be like that in his kingdom? You know the answer to that, don't you? Because that's what Jesus is like. Verse 28. Just the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He told his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem to suffer and die, but he didn't tell them why, and now he does. Because he's going to ransom by people out of judgment and by people out of being slaves to being great, greater than other people, so that they might become great by being servants. He's come to ransom us. And gee, that must have been hard for him to do. The Son of God choosing to die for people like you and I. That must have gone against everything in his nature. Don't you think? Imagine this. The rumour goes around the angels up in heaven just before the Son of God comes down to earth. Somehow the plan has got out. The Son of God is going to become a man and be rejected and die. And the angels are aghast. They cannot believe it. This is so far below what the Son of God should do. And so one of them plucks up the courage, goes up to the Son of God and said, look, uh, I've heard the rumours. Are they true? That you're really going to become a man and then be rejected and die? Is it true? I mean, is that is that what you want? That is so below you. You are greater than that. And the Son of God says, yeah, that's the plan. And you're right, it's not what I want. But it's what the Father wants. And there's no other way, I've checked it out, to ransom people for my kingdom. Is that right? Is that what the Son of God is like? That's sort of what we think, isn't it? And we admire him and appreciate it for him. But that's not what it's like. The angel comes to him and says, I've heard the rumors. Is it really true that you, the son of God, will become a man and die? That is, I mean, is that what you want? That is so far below you. And the son of God says, that's right. And that is exactly what I want. For I am great. And greatness is being a servant, and that is exactly what I want to do, do you see? That's how great the Son of God is. What is it you want? Do you want to be greater than other people by comparing yourself and getting ahead of them? Or do you want to be truly great by being a servant? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our ideas about greatness are so wrong, even when we've heard things about this for years. Father, please, in your kindness, change our minds and our hearts so we don't want to be greater than other people by getting ahead of them. 
by showing that we are somehow greater than them. Father, help us to be like the Son of God who is truly great. Help us to be a servant in our minds, in our words and in our actions. Help us to want to be great. We pray that we might become more and more of a servant. Please help us, we pray.